Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Andrew Pizzacalis. He is a cannabis consultant and mentor, and he's a partner at Hayes Media. We're going to talk to him about the work they've been doing in cannabis and what they've been seeing and kind of where the industry is going, what some of the trends are. Uh, fascinating space. Uh, I always um, say that it's all the ancillary products and services around cannabis that become really interesting, not just the plant touching side. And obviously media and communications is a huge part of that, particularly as the industry grows. Uh, So I'm excited to talk to Andrew, what they've learned, really where they're at, and really what the future of media is in the cannabis space. Uh, Hopefully we'll learn a few things with that. Andrew, welcome to the program. Thank you, my brother. How are you today? I'm good, Andrew. I'm good. Um, so uh, b- before we kind of get into what you're doing today, I-, I always love to hear the stories. Like, how? what were you doing? How did cannabis come up? Give us the background. Man, I honestly, I've been in the industry for over 25 years. I've always yeah. had a love for the plants. You know, I started more in cultivation and growing, hydroponic mm-hmm. growing. I won 10 cannabis cups in 2015. I was one of the top 50 trailblazers in the world in cannabis by High Times Magazine. 
you know, so I, I've always I've always loved the plant. I used to write articles for various magazines back in the day. Uh, I was yeah. very heavy into the glass industry when we were talking. You were mentioning ancillary products, yeah. which is a you know a huge part of the marijuana industry, cannabis industry, because you got to smoke your butt out of something if you don't have a paper. You know, it's those pipes and bongs and all those ancillary products that uh you know you see have such popularity and are you know very much part of the subculture you know and i've worked with all the glass blowers and original guys that started making pipes and glass bongs when they were the first ones ever you know i've had the i've had the pleasure of being part of that industry and being part of the cultivating and genetics and politics you know, I had the pleasure of working with, you know, Jack Herrer was a good friend of mine, you know, oh, rest, wow. yeah. rest in peace and yeah. dealt with a lot of the farmers and people in Humboldt and Lake County and, you know, Northern California areas, you know, was, have seen so many hundreds, if not thousands of strains that I've smoked or grown or been a part of or helped develop or work with. I've launched many celebrity brands and for many years was a cannabis agent, licensing agent for a whole bunch of celebrities uh, using, using their you know face, name, and image with their permission to create and brand products. You know, just to shout out like some of the different ones I worked with, Peter Tosh, Riddick Bowe, Old Dirty Bastard, Digital Underground, The Alcoholics, you know, Jack, Anthrax, Motorhead, Jane's Addiction, Baby Bash, Nick and Nate Diaz, King Mo, Charlotte Green, yeah. Los Marijuanos, Nathan Fletcher, the surfing champion. I've had the pleasure of working with uh, Jason Brown, who's James Brown's grandson. Uh, mm-hmm. The Green Power Ranger. I've worked with. Uh, and how, did, how did you get into all that? When was what was your background that got you? It was just getting into cannabis got you into all these relationships. No, well, no, it wasn't that. It's actually I got into licensing celebrity intellectual property. I yeah. always loved uh, working in cannabis. It was always a passion, but I also, you know, had other passions and things that I developed. I, I had a glass factory back in the day making glass pipes and things and, sure. and supplying to you know tobacco shops. I had back in the day a, a screen printing business. you know I was in a, I was an entrepreneur. I worked and did you know various things. So I started working with celebrity managers on getting them licensing deals with t-shirt companies and posters and various things because I, I lived in Vegas. For over 25 years, which is the which is the convention mecca of the universe, you know, <laughs> and I would get permission essentially from the bands or a musician or artist to utilize their images, their name and likeness, and offer that to companies to pay a royalty for the use of that name, likeness, or image on those products. So. I wasn't licensing celebrities in cannabis. I was doing it for almost 10 years, a decade before I even thought of combining, you know, my licensing and and what I was doing with all these celebrities and then transitioning to cannabis. That 
was inspired and done more around 2013 area 2014 when Bob Marley announced that he was going to put, you know, do Marley's Naturals. And then, you know, he was offered, there were the family or estate was offered $20 million to manage their uh, Bob's name, likeness and image on and have the exclusive for doing deals in the cannabis category. And that kind of piqued my interest. I was like, wow, that's kind of ballsy. There's a big fucking celebrity that, you know, essentially is coming out and, you know, raising millions of dollars with venture capitalists and groups. And I was like, wow, this is ballsy. I was like, you know, we're not fully legal yet and stuff. I'm really interested to see how this could play out. Mm -hmm. And then... Willie does his on 420, like two, three months after after that. And then I jumped in in May and started representing celebrities and making announcements, you know, of doing the same thing. And then created a what I thought with all the years that I had in the business, a licensing platform in which cultivators and producers in the various states would do a licensing agreement to utilize such, you know, one of the chosen celebrities, you know, name and likeness. And then what we would do is work with them with package design and things and everything for the celebrity and management to okay. And then help produce a streamlined branded product in as many states as could, you know, that we could uh, do agreements with and find people that we in good faith, you know, thought could do and put a good product out for the band. And, you know, I did that for a long time. I kind of stopped about a year and a half ago. I'd been speaking about cannabis celebrity licensing at, you know, almost 75 to 100 conventions and shows since 2014. And, yeah, sometimes you get a little fucking burnt out. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's traveling and this and speaking and, you know, exhibitions and setting up booths and my whole life was like just doing that and then COVID hit obviously and that was like mm-hmm. whoop, you know freeze the world. yeah freeze and stuff and the past few years I've been working with Hayes Radio Network which is you know the largest one of the largest cannabis radio stations in the world you know with millions of followers and listeners that tune in through the app or listen to archived episodes on all the different platforms. And, you know, the station covers really a ton of conventions. We were actually just at the G4 convention, which was the G4 Live. Keith, really awesome. Alan, CEO and owner of it. What a lovely individual, you know, was the first actual, like, event that I went to that it was like COVID's kind of getting done and, you know, people got to come in and see each other and Vegas is totally like, no more masks, fuck it. You know, like literally like, it's like you put a mask on, they look at you like you have fucking 20 heads, but here in California, it's the opposite, right? So I'm literally like two weeks ago, two every weeks ago, I'm in fucking G4, no one's wearing masks in the hotel, this, everyone's partying, acting like fucking everything just went back to normal. And he, what a great show though. Like we got, I, I was a keynote speaker and I was on a panel and then we covered the event, the Friday was kind of like setup day and show party. And then Saturday and Sunday was the actual convention. And Keith threw down, they held this at the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino. Mm-hmm. And he purchased only for everybody at the convention 
Friday night from like 6 to 1 in the morning, bought out the whole Mandalay Bay beach and pool. Oh right? And then had Travis Barker and DJs and all these guys play. He hooked everyone up. He gave us uh, Cabana, everybody at the station. He paid for they paid for our rooms. Wow. They paid for high rise. They paid for cannabis capital. They paid for all the media companies essentially, mm-hmm. which I thought was genius. You know what I mean? Yeah. He took care yeah. of everything for everybody, so they'd come and cover it. Filled yeah. with influencers, filled with people. And could you imagine? Honestly, like let's be. I mean, I lived in Vegas twenty five years. For you to fucking. Buy out the beach and not let hotel guests come. Yeah, had to have cost an. In, I mean, half a mil, right? At least, if yeah. not more. You know what I mean? Like that's throwing down the. I, that's like. So what do you, and what do you think the strategy is? Is like, like be be the first one back, right? To kind of be the be the big event back post COVID. He wants to be the uh, what is it? The SW. At SX or what is that one that they have in Arizona that everyone goes crazy about? It's like the- oh, South by Southwest, yeah. South by Southwest. He wants to be the South by Southwest of cannabis. Yeah. He threw down 150 grand. He said just on food. He didn't have at his show at the show where you could like go buy hot dogs or this or whatever. Nope, he catered it. Yeah. Everyone yeah. at the fucking convention, yeah. they had all day long catered food. I mean, food's not cheap, but it's not horribly expensive, and it makes such a difference for an event. Like, if you've got good vent, good food in an event, or worse, like bad food in an event, like it's, uh, I always remember the food. <laughs> always, right? And it doesn't even have to be as fancy of a place, but if you got fucking good yeah. grub, right? Yeah, yeah. That makes up for everything. Are we Are we back? I mean, is this is this like the, you know, all – events are now on at this point, you know, in general or with cannabis, what's your feeling? Yeah, it's like pretty much everyone's like stripping the bandaid off and going for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, California on the 15th, which is like only a couple of days, uh, masks are not required anymore. Yep. So, and I think that is most of the United States. So, yeah. you know, so I think, yes, things are going to be back to normal. Maybe some things are going to be a little precautious. Now, not as many yeah. people, showed up to G4 because it was the first. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was one of, let's say, the only downsides that happened You know, while I attended that was the attendance, you could tell, was should have been could have been a lot better. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But the quality of the event and what was going on and how it was done was utterly superb. And they have another one that's coming up. Uh, it's the end of September, beginning of October, and that event they hold in Las Vegas ends up, they, he said, is they're anticipating 25,000 people to go. Yeah. So, I mean, that's as, that, that holds its that's own big. up to MJ BizCon, which does about 35,000. So, I mean, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, those are probably two biggest shows by far of the year. We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. And what do you think? I mean, is this, I mean, uh, so COVID changed the world, right? And everyone started finding other ways of doing business and convening and, you know, sharing information and all this. Are are conventions going to come back just like they were? Are they forever changed? How how do you sort of see the world playing out? I say the worldwide travelers are going to be a lot less right now when MapJ BizCon is at the end of the year. Will they be monstrously packed? Absolutely. Absolutely, because everyone's been pent up mm-hmm. for so long that when we went to G4, man, and got to see people and, and this and what, it was like, 
I can't even tell you the psychological relief I felt as a human being that everybody needs and wants that. So they're going to fucking go for sure. You know what I mean? And but do you think that's, I mean, do you think there's going to be a kind of a, uh, a bounce back, you know, for a year or say, well, everyone's going to bend up, <laughs> they're going to release their energy and then, and then things will kind of settle back to a new normal. Or do you a, think this is a little is, bit, a little bit, yeah. maybe you're going to always have the percentage of people that are precautious. I mean, this was a fucking wild pandemic that killed millions and millions. Of oh no. Yeah. Well, I guess for me, it's less, it's less about the kind of precaution thing it's it's more of you know did this pandemic teach us that there are other ways of do, doing business other than the trade shows because i'm curious as a media person i mean i i can't can't imagine that uh, that your media that your um you know media engagement went up considerably during pandemic right dude the numbers we have and have had have been outrageous yeah because oh, well, no, no, there's nothing to do <laughs> Just sit at home and listen to podcasts. But this is the thing is one that just made that market stronger overall Mm -hmm. because people are leaving the visual. How do I, these, let me me think about the best way to explain this. So millennials and the younger generations, right? What is big TikTok, right? Mm -hmm. Instagram, you know, they're doing these reels, they're doing these things that are less than a minute. You know, the attention span of sitting and watching television and sitting through an hour and a half movie and not grabbing your phone and not switching to an app and not doing all this is is happening at an alarming rate than it did in our generations, okay? And, but what is becoming very apparent is that audio listening, because the younger generations are more technologically advanced. They can sit at a normal job and multitask in ways yeah. that we never had the technology or ability or thought process to even know that was possible that we that these that the younger kids have. So I don't know about your work or things, but all over the place the kids have the you know, the wireless mm-hmm. sets in their ears and they're doing their jobs at work, but guess what? What are they listening to while they're multitasking and doing everything they're supposed to do? God bless them that they can fucking do it. I was like, as long as they do your work in my office, I don't care. But at the same yeah, time, the job done. <laughs> they're listening to podcasts. Oh, yeah. They're sitting there being educated, learning about the next thing and multitasking and doing it, but they'll sit there all day and listen. That's the difference. You know, we're coming to an informational age where consumption of knowledge is really strong audio-wise, worldwide, you know? And I think that media is always going to be strong no matter what. Cannabis, this doesn't matter what, you know, thing it is. Do we have to adjust as a group? Yeah. But I get to people through their ears, through technology, whether you're sick or not, you can listen to me. They can listen to you. You know, same thing. You know, how do we adjust? Well, I also believe that that. Because of being stuck in virtual conferencing, just like we're having, you know, these interviews and all this stuff, has become more of a mainstream acceptable form of business transacting when it has always been the norm that the personal perseverance and the personal use of doing business was always the most integral thing of success. 
And now it's like kind of changed the game. It's like you can go either way. You know, things might go back to normal, but there's a lot of motherfuckers that are going to be making lots of money on virtual conferences on all kinds of things. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yes, I'm curious what what media has been sort of being consumed the most right now. Like if you look at your platforms and the different content you've put out there, like what over this last year, what what's the stuff that really has, has seen an increase in listenership? Honestly, everyone just wants to soak in whatever the hell is going on. And I, yeah. and we're lucky because our network is almost like a WeWork type of situation where, you know, all this great talent that's coming into the network is there to contribute based on what they have and what they bring to the table. And because cannabis, people who smoke weed are every fucking age, every culture, exactly. every <laughs> culture <laughs> on the planet. That's across age. Yeah, yeah on cool. the planet that I have everything. I've got yeah. millennials talking about stupid shit. We got we got people on relationships, politics, comedy. You know, just sitting around smoking weed and getting stoned, whatever. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And there are people that have, you know, appeal to all of it. All of it. Yeah. You know, all of it. You know, because the people are listening all day long. They, they are intrigued. They like to hear the new stuff. Yeah, you know, maybe somebody will turn it off, but somebody else will turn it on. And that's the cool part. Yeah. You know, the way that this company was structured was to give knowledge to the world to anyone Mm -hmm. you know and just like what you're doing is a great service because you're archiving you know so much content and knowledge that if someone never smoked cannabis never knew all these years reefer madness afraid there's so much knowledge and then once you get into it it's like you know the first person that listened to your podcast and mm-hmm. they didn't had no idea, and they heard, and they're like, "Fuck, man, that shit's dope." <laughs> and then what do they do? Oh man, let me hear some more. Let me click on this. Let me click on that. And then the knowledge machine in your head and your body starts fucking going, and you, yeah. you have all this great material that's being provided for people to soak into. But if you don't provide that material, then what is there for people to soak in? If that's yeah. what you're trying to do, I guess. How have you advised, you know, folks that you know, creating content like this and, and putting it out in the world, and you know, it does, it's out there forever, right? Like, uh, you know, episodes that are, you know, a couple of years old now are still out there. Is, is there any kind of strategy or anything that you've seen that have has worked well to help content creators create content that's going to have legs, that's going to be evergreen, that's going to be relevant in the future? Or how have you dealt with that? Yes, the biggest thing we do, the biggest thing we do, no one on this station says the date or the time ever. Yeah. The show is based on the topic, the content of that topic. So if I play put it, you know, three years ago on Spotify, mm-hmm. but someone clicked onto it who'd never heard it before, it's brand new to them. And while they're listening to it, if it's not dated, they don't say, oh, this is an old ass show. You understand? So one thing I I make very important to content creators that are trying to do podcasts is depending on what kind of entertainer you want to be. Let me put it that way. This is my general advice. But there are some people that want to be known as I'm hip, I'm now, I'm dated, this is now, this is what it's about, this is what I'm capturing, this is what it is. That's a whole different methodology of having your show 
than what I'm saying, suggesting. Mine is based on looking at longevity. That's looking at what's now, what's hit, and that maybe they're building themselves into being something that's really more than what the podcast is. You understand that it's a development into something else and is part of your branding as part of what you're doing. That's different if your podcast is truly that's what it is for you. You understand? Yeah. No, I think the only thing we've run into a little bit is just kind of covering the business side of the industry. You know, we'll deal with like regulation or something like that. And, and you know, talking about a state coming online, you know, that's that's very time bound. And so, I mean, generally we try to keep things pretty evergreen. But yeah, like when we start covering things that are kind of event based or, you know, something's going on in the industry, we're talking about it. I mean, I'm, you know, I remember talking about the farm bill, right? <laughs> like, oh, the farm bill's coming out and everything. All right. Well, that kind of dates it at some level. Although it's interesting too, because it provides a historical context. Like you can go back and listen to, you know, what do we talk about then when it was just coming out and what were the issues, what were the concerns? And then later, how did it play out? It's a, it, at some level, it's an interesting kind of historical context too. Sometimes you can't help it. And those things happen in the episodes, but when your overall premise and intent is to not do it, then you have a lot of content that could be recycled over and over again. Yeah. How can brands, I mean, I guess I'm, you know, for the folks listening to this, you know, that are in cannabis companies, you know, running cannabis plans, how can they leverage, you know, media or what would, what suggestions do you give them in terms of leveraging kind of all the media that's out there in cannabis right now? So I think one of the things is there are so much, there is so much competition of having a cannabis brand. You're not the only one on the shelf. And so how do you stand out? How do you put yourself apart? Well, one, you have to have all the basics. If you don't have the Instagram, you don't have the social media, you don't have you know pictures and blogging and story time and the basics, then you're already behind what 75, 80% of the people are doing. So yeah. the first thing is, is you gotta be on all those platforms. Might be a pain in the ass, there are softwares out there that you know you pay a monthly fee, which I greatly suggest that it helps you to post those posts on multiple platforms. Mm-hmm. When that saves people a lot of money, you know, and time uploading and doing it over and over again when you can upload it to one thing and then it shoots it out to ten or fifteen or twenty different, you know, social media platforms. Being relevant, learning about your area, finding participation in whether it's virtual or live events, you know, and getting a stance in where your home base is and creating knowledge and things around the brand to help build it, I think are keys. What I think is a fucking waste of money is a billboard when you're just starting your company (laughs) or, you know, a $10,000 fucking front page ad in a magazine so you could be on the cover to tell all your friends, look, I was on this fucking cover. It's not going to do shit. You know how much weed you'd have to sell? I I said this to my friend. It was actually, we had this specific conversation because he came in and he dropped like 50,000 with this media firm that knows nothing about cannabis. And and I'm constantly telling these people, like, why the fuck are you going to mainstream people when, first of all, the mainstream media, most of those places won't accept your content anyway. So you're going to someone who who doesn't even know how to get to really cannabis people, and they say, oh, you give us this, I'm going to get you a billboard on Sunset Strip that's normally 10,000, but we'll get it to you for 25 for two weeks, and we'll put you here, 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 here. And it's like... It's like, okay, you just put out your brand. Your brand's only out for like a year. 
how many stores are you in? You're in 40 stores, 25 stores, whatever it is. You're only making X amount of dollars profit. And I say to you, okay, how many eighths do you have to now sell just to pay yeah, for exactly. that fucking billboard you just put there? Like yeah. literally, like you, you don't realize that a lot of these companies do these stupid things and then they don't understand a year and a half, two years or three years later after they paid all the taxes and this and that and figured out all the fucking added bullshit like those billboards you just paid for that were a fucking waste. Yeah. Why you thought you were making a lot of money, but you realize that you actually are negative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all ROI and really kind of knowing like, how am I going to spend this money? How is it coming back to me? You know, what's profitable? You know, it's, it's hard, but the companies that can do that well and really understand where the returns are for, for those dollars spent, you know, that, that's where you make progress. That's where you make money. Do as much as you can yourself. Yeah. Put stuff out in the right areas where you want the right genres of people to start noticing you. And then, like I said, participate in local and things and in, you know, and even charitable things, you know, in your area is, is the biggest things that I think help brands, one, have a footprint, two, stand out, let's say, more than the others because you have to take that, like I said, that little bit above the rest to make sure you're going to be ahead of the pack and stand out. If yeah. not, you're just going to get drowned out by the fucking thousands commodity. of companies yeah. that are doing commodity. shit every fucking day. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And where do you see media going? I mean, obviously, you know, podcasting is huge. You know, we're, we're starting to see these internet radio. We're seeing, you know, videos taking off. Like, we're, you know, in, in a next one, two, three years, what do you think the real kind of media plays are going to be for the cannabis industry? Oh, I think that you're just going to see uh, an increase in these podcasts and all these various modes of putting out your branding because it's everything with technology you could do on your own with a small team with a very minimal amount of money and get the same effectiveness or I'm not going to say effectiveness, but let's say has the ability to have the same potential reach as people that are paying companies millions of dollars to do it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is sort of democratization of media, right? Like, you, like you, anyone can like stand up a podcast now and like start get producing content. You want to hear this one? Yeah. Think about this. Uh, we're on. I, I don't know if you're on. It depends on what tier you're on, but like uh, we're on a certain tier with iHeartRadio that when people mm -hmm. listen to our shows, we get revenue share. Yeah. Um, what's coming up and very strong is you're, you're seeing Spotify has a whole podcast. Yeah. They're building giant podcast studios. Same thing with iHeart. This downtown in LA, they're spending fucking millions on this whole, mm -hmm. uh, you know, podcast giant fucking area that they built. They they are realizing that just like an artist who made this wonderful song for three to seven minutes or whatever it is makes money on royalties off of that, so will we. Yeah. These podcasts in the future, it will be the same thing as a fucking music artist. Watch my words, and you'll probably be worth more money because our content is longer. Yeah, yeah, we have more time to weave in advertising and promote and things like that. Yeah, I can see it. it's a, it's a better, it's it's a more leverageable business kind of uh, asset. Yeah, yeah. 
Andrew, this has been a pleasure. Uh, if, if people want to find out more about you, more about Hayes, what's the best way to get that information? Easiest way is go to www.hayesradionetwork.com is a great way to, you know, if you're interested in all the artists and everything that's going on here, if anybody wants to get a hold of me personally, they could just check me out on LinkedIn, which is always the easiest business thing. Type in Andrew Pizzicalis, or you could just shoot me a DM on Instagram at haze.media and it'll get over to me. Perfect. I'll put the URLs and the handles and everything in the show notes so people can click through, get that, encourage everyone to check it out. Andrew, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you, my brother, and I really enjoy your show and enjoy listening to your shows. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.